on this episode of A Tale of Two Rivals. Is Kyler Murray the QB1? Keenan Allen, the ageless wonder? And George Kittle and his dynasty value. Stay tuned. Welcome to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three Pete. Go with your gut. All I do is win, 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 no matter what champion. And a numbers obsessed, spreadsheet loving, still can't beat me in any league nerd to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who am I joined by? You're joined by. At FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. It was good to see you get a W over the Walrus today. I was, or this week in our home, in Tail Travis Listener League. I was uh, hoping you would, or you would get the L there. Not the case. Never doubt the champ. Never doubt the champ. I will say, happy that I will be, I clinched the playoffs in the Listener League, and so did you. And uh, I am also ahead of you in our two other leagues that we're in. So you're ahead of me in one league. I'm ahead of you in the two other leagues, so... But what league am I ahead of you in? The Listener League. The league of saying. Record. It's become the League of Record now. The <laughs> League of Record. <laughs> All right. I do have to share before we get any further, Todd. I went to see Hamilton this weekend. Truth. Big fans. We were all, you and I are both huge fans of Hamilton. So was the Walrus, too. Speak of the devil. I really enjoyed it. Super emotional. I must have watched it 20 or 30 times on Disney Plus throughout the pandemic with my wife, Quinn, and... It means a lot to us special, specifically. It helped us get through a lot of stuff, and it was really emotional to go watch it in person uh, in Providence at a great theater. And it was the first event that I think I've gone to the, since... I think it's the first public event I've been to. So I was really excited to do it, and it was incredibly special, and I, I hope you can get to, see it, get to see it someday, Todd, because it was awesome. I would love to see Hamilton at some point in life, and that is something that I will strive to do, all right? But I'm so happy for you got to see that. I'm so glad it was something special there for you. And of course, it's emotional. It's a beautiful tale. Well, <laughs> it's a tragic tale, actually. But um, still, ready for a question of the day? I'm really excited for this one. Let's, what is it today? So I like how Dave played dumb because it was his idea. So <laughs> if you were to write a script or a screenplay, what genre would you pick to write about? Do you want the first crack? Oh, I'll take first crack. Do it. Rom-com, baby. Rom-com. Huge rom-com fan. I love anything Apatow, blended, fever pitch. Love that stuff. So I love to make people laugh and myself laugh. I have the ability to laugh at my own jokes. And people think have told me that's weird. I'm like, dude, I tickle myself. That's fantastic. Why say it if you don't think it's funny? That's what I always say, Todd. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, if you don't get it, I'm just on a different level than you. Anyways, um, that would be such a fun writing process or something like that. Sure, like, you know, I'm a bit of a film nerd and there's other things that like, oh, I could go in this this direction or this direction, but this should just be fun. And I know in my script, there's no avoiding that one of the main characters 
would definitely be a teacher. There's just no avoiding. Like it would, it would just be written in in some sort of fashion, right? But it probably would not be a lead character, but like a, a supporting cast member who brings humor to the increasingly difficult job that it is. For me, it's all about just having a good time, and a rom com would be a good time to write to write a script about. And for the record, my favorite rom com, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. What about you, Dave? I like it, Todd. I think rom com be really fun to do because sometimes it feels like the the genre is played out a little bit, but then there's always every couple of years there's a really good one and it brings a little bit of new life to the to the genre. So I, I think that'd be fun to try to, to do. But here's the thing. I'm glad you pointed that out. I have no expectations of making like the next great film. <laughs> so like whatever I'm putting out is the best I could do, and I don't expect it to be at the top. <laughs> so it's that's fine. It can be derivative. I don't care. Any leading actors or actresses you want starring in your in your script? Jonathan Powers. Jonathan Powers. Okay. Very well-known actor. For me, Todd, my script I would like to do one of two ways. I'd really like to do a very authentic Western. where And those have been done a little bit, but I'm talking like a really gritty, authentic Western with a more of a hero's archetype than just a... I don't. I feel like a lot of it's a revenge tale, like a revenge type feel to these things, or a a lawman trying to go arrest people, or or, or something along those lines. I'd more like a hero's archetype in the set uh, in the setting of an American of the American West would be a lot of fun. And then if I couldn't do that, I would love to do an like get really nitty gritty into an authentic Native American tale, where the entire essence of the Native American tale is Native American actors, Native American storyline, Native American heroes, not. Not uh, cowboys coming in to save the day or soldiers coming to say or some white savior to come save the day. I'd really just like to tell some an American folklore, American le- uh, Native American legends would be a nice, fun script to do as well. You must have been like quite a fun student to have in history class when they were going over westward expansion. Dude, Dave's just sitting there like in awe with his like elbows on the desk, is like wide mouth. <gasps> I was such a loser in, in history class, dude. I took, I took, I had almost enough credits to get a history. Degree. <laughs> so, nice. Nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Totally like gripping tales, fantastic stuff. Little dark. Definitely sit, fits your uh, psychopathic uh, tendencies. Yeah, absolutely. No yeah. spreadsheets, no futuristic thing at all. No spreadsheets, no futuristic things at all. Love it. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. No, I love that, man. I, I probably think that you probably end up writing the Western. That That's my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I would also love to to do the research for the Native American piece too. That'd be a lot of fun to do. That would be pretty sweet, actually. All this right, is a fun. I, this is a fun. I'd love to hear what people can reach out to us and what they would love to. What's movie script or even a novel, like a novel idea? Now, don't we don't don't throw away any state secrets here. But this was a lot of fun to think about. I'd love to hear what listeners think too, as well. I think uh, a certain listener would write a script about my my historic three peat. So I promise we wouldn't talk about that listener today. So. <laughs> I did not say anything other than that. <laughs> All right. So, moving on. Tonight, my takes. Take one, Kyler Murray, the QB1. Murray's been a frustrating guy for owners, to say the least, uh, after missing three straight games, and then they had the bye week. There was even some talk about him not coming back this week, but hey, injuries happen. That's part of the game. Finished the QB1 this week, but it wasn't a particularly strong performance. 11 for 15 for only 123 passing yards and two passing TDs. But he did muster up two rushing touchdowns and 59 yards rushing. What does this mean? 
that really points to his elite rushing upside. But he had that average passing and still finished at QB1. It, it kind of gives Kyler Murray in a nutshell, like, why he's such an attractive option. Still the QB 13, despite missing three games, which is pretty freaking impressive. However, he's not in a tier on his own by any means. And you can make an argument to put three or maybe four guys over him. He is my QB 1. And the reason why I want to talk about this is just because it's a narrow margin. Like, I'm not, like, looking at Kyler Murray a whole tier ahead of guys. You know what I mean? And that top tier for the preseason, Murray wasn't in it. It was Mahomes and Prescott for me. Well, Dak's in my second tier for now, but that first tier is now expanded to five quarterbacks. You're looking at Mahomes, Josh Allen, L. Jax, and Herbert. So those are all guys I have in the same tier as, as Murray. Let's break down Murray a little bit more. He's averaging 23.17 fantasy points per game, which is tops among the top 13 QBs, but you're looking at maybe... 0.5.6 behind Brady, Allen, and Herbert, who are all like, I mean, less than a point off on pace. It's not to say like Kyle Murray is this like untouchable asset. You could easily move from Kyle Murray and maybe move down tiers from that. But let's just talk about why he is the QB1. I just wanted to say before I, know, I say he's the QB1 is that there are plenty of guys that I'd be fine having that are not Kyle Murray. Why is he my QB1? It's that up, up that rushing upside. It's just simply dominant. Yardage and TDs have been consistent since he was a rookie. I don't normally tr- uh, trust TDs or chase TDs, but with Murray, it's a it's pretty foregone conclusion that he's going to put up five, six plus TDs as a rusher. All right, he put up eleven last season, so his passing efficiency and overall just yardage has improved every year as uh, in the NFL. He's attached to an elite offense with elite weapons. So there's a huge upside and a wonderful floor here for a 21, 24-year-old core QB. I believe it's the best combination of upside and floor for his position, but he's still in a tier with four other guys in my mind, and I'd be perfectly fine with anyone arguing about those five, four guys over Murray. So is he my QB one? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that he's just like at a whole other level as everybody else. That's the point I wanted to make, and I'm really intrigued on your take on this. I really liked how you clarified that he's in a tier with other QBs because I agree. I don't think that he's far and above any other QB, like uh, the rest of the QB field. Yeah, so that's the first thing. Second part, Todd, is that if you, if the Todd, when we started this podcast, listened to your analysis of Kyler Murray, I don't think he would think it was the same person. You just talking about passing efficiency, rolling off the tongue. Talking about, a, you know, you used to hate rushing QBs. It, it's really kind of cool, Todd. Hey, hey, hey. My rushing QB was always about injuries. Always cool. about injuries. Well, and hey, Kyle Mur- Kyler Murray is yet to play a full season, I believe. So this is true. <laughs> so that's, I think, yeah. one of the negative parts of Kyler Murray's profile that bothers me a little bit is that he does seem to be dealing with injuries. And even if he doesn't like miss a game, like if he's had an injury that has uh, significantly impacted his play. Like his shoulder last year, he saw a big decline in efficiency when he heard, after he hurt his shoulder. So, or was that the year before? Anyway, I forget which year it was, but I think there is an injury concern with Kyler Murray. I think they're using him a lot smarter this year. His overall rushing volume has gone down this year, Todd, which has been crazy to see just how effective he's maintained his passing efficiency, despite 
becoming a more complete quarterback, which is exciting to see. And he also has better weapons this year, which has also helped him. Now, I have a really hard time saying Kyler Murray over Mahomes just because I think Mahomes is having a down year. I do not think, but it's not like the worst year ever. There is a certain safety that I do feel that there is with Patrick Mahomes, even in a down year like this year for him. I, I, I think the value is still there. Yeah, he has dealt with injuries in the past, but he's played through a lot of them. I like me some Patrick Mahomes, I'll just a little bit more for safety reasons. But Todd, the passing efficiency, which you alluded to with Kyler Murray, is elite. He's like first in CPOE, first in EPA per dropback. All the major things that you care about, Kyler Murray is dominating. And that's usually what Patrick Mahomes does. So I would be okay with almost someone saying Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes in their own tier. But then I look and I see Justin Herbert, who's doing very well, as playing extremely well too in a young in his second season. And Josh Allen continues to do well, even though I don't think he's having quite as good of a season as he did last year. But to be able to at least put up another good season after such a huge jump shows me something about Josh Allen that I think I agree there's a top four tier. And then I waffled with Lamar. Is he in that tier uh, back and forth? I think I would put a second on top of Lamar to go get Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray or even Justin Herbert. I think I don't quite have Lamar in that tier. So it's a tier of four for me, but I, I, I it's close. And I really still like the QBs at the top of uh, Superflex drafts. And I'll waffle on Kyler Murray. My heart tells me Kyler Murray, but my head is telling me Patrick Mahomes and just the safety of, of him, even though. You know, it, safety is all is all a narrative as far as QBs are concerned. Hundred percent, man. And like I said, I'm not even gonna like rebut on like that take because I'm saying like literally, it's just how you like to do the build. Yeah, I would say that Jackson probably has the least value out of that group, but at the same time, I just feel like his rushing upside just puts him into that class. Oh, I like I like Lamar Jackson too. Don't get me wrong. I know you do. I know you do. I'm just saying his rushing upside just gets him into that class. If he gets like just a little bit more volume in the passing, like he's a chance to be taking that QB one spot. Kyler or Patrick Mahomes has a rushing upside. Now he doesn't score TDs like Kyler Murray does, but he has some rushing yards that he tacks on each week. And I think they're actually averaging similar yards per game too, rushing. So that's a, a take. That's like a thing that often gets overlooked to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Take two. Now, if you have listened to the show for a while, you probably know I'm a Keenan Allen fan. The man is an ageless wonder. The PPR monster is alive and well. He's the wide receiver 18 in standard formats, but he's the wide receiver 9 in PPR. That's a wild like discrepancy to me. You know, it's that's crazy. But let's break him down. 26.7 target share with the third most targets in the league. He's tied for second in receptions with Tyreek Hill, who's only has three more targets than him, and eighth in yardage. He's easily one of the best route runners and separators in the game, and has been an absolute target hog since 2017. This would be his fifth straight year as a top 12 wide receiver in PPR. That's insane value because he's not treated at all like a guy with that kind of production. So I've been one of his biggest cheerleaders since we started this podcast, and I've actually written articles about him twice in past seasons. But he was still only my wide receiver 19 to start the year. And he's only moved up to my wide receiver 17 on the year. 
But I bet that's a lot higher than many boards. With that said, we have an elite QB with him who has the third most passing attempts in the league. So Allen is an outstanding value and would looks to be possibly my number one buy candidate in Dynasty this offseason. Why is his value so low? Age. Like, he's going to be entering that age 30 season. He's not exactly like a super sexy kind of a player, like not big yardage, not big TDs. He's just a target hog who just gets catches and moves the sticks, right? So he'll be a bargain because it's tough to picture him sustaining this kind of production for another three years into season 33. But an elite one to two years of production at an affordable price tag? I, we just, Keenan Allen's never getting the respect he deserves. Just never. And just absolutely this offseason, see what it would take to get Keenan Allen on your team. If you think you have a chance next season to contend, Keenan Allen should be one of the top guys you're targeting because he's going to be able to be put in at like a wide two like price, but he's going to perform like a wide one. The only thing that holding him back would be an injury. That's it. A couple of things too, Todd, with Keen Allen. Yes, and I agree with a lot of what you said about Keen Allen as far as how, how much you've been, you pound the table for him and just how much of a fan you've been over him over the years in fantasy football. A couple of things. First, just from a production standpoint, people worrying about that age. His, he's, Todd, his targets per game, his target share, his are all staying flat like he's not seeing a dip in volume he's doing he's attached to justin herbert which is a huge deal and his actually his efficiency has gone up i think it was like 1.71 yards per route run last year it's up to 2.1 yards per route run this season which is so he's even getting he's even being more efficient as as justin herbert develops in that uh you know as big mike williams kind of emerges too so there's that so there's you're not seeing any signs of decline. Now his touchdowns aren't quite, he's not quite the same pace. I think he had eight last year, which was kind of high for him. He's at four so far this year. So you could see him finishing anywhere from, he could have wind up with eight. You know how touchdowns are Todd, but he's not relying on touchdowns to be this type of player. His point. Oh, and his points per game are flat too. I think it's like only 0.3 difference from last year. So I'm not seeing any signs of decline Todd. Now, as far as you're targeting him, how many years of production? I really think this is the time to go do it. He's like the player profiler has him as the wide receiver 22. I think DLF has probably him in the low teens, high 20s as well in rankings and their consensus rankings. I agree, Todd, that there's now that he's no longer being valued as that top tier wide receiver. This is when I like to go get my my older wide receivers. My ageism fades away because the risk goes away as well because the cost to acquire just isn't there anymore. So go get some Keen Allen. and two. Todd, it doesn't just because you're getting him this year doesn't mean he's not going to be valuable next season. Or and the only real, I mean, there's always a risk that he could fall off a cliff too. That that always can happen, matter or figuratively, not actual falling off a cliff. But may, the mo- main thing too, Todd, that for me is that the only thing that happens when you invest in these older players there, if they ha- sustain a major knee injury, that's when they're just their value can tank. But to get top twelve wide receiver type production, I think it's um, okay with being left chewing some value on the vine and just enjoy Keenan Allen for what he is because the value is there, the production is there, and you just have to tolerate a little bit of risk, which I'm okay with at that price. Exactly, man. I mean, could I have said it better myself, Davey? All right, last take. George Kittle. 
What's his dynasty value? So Georgie Boy had a massive game this week. Nine receptions for 181 yards, two TDs, and 12 targets. That output is about 30% of his total points on the year. So let's just say this is his first big game. Uh, Dave lives rent-free in my head when it comes to George Kittle. Probably the only guy we've ever talked about that I traded that week due to Dave's takes. This was last season, <laughs> but I'll never forget the first time I actually listened to Dave. Thanks for that, Dave. I appreciate that. Dave, the reason Dave got in my head was talked about the way that he plays and how it leads to injuries because it like it made sense. Essentially, Dave said that he plays like a wild man and it, it would make him more susceptible to injuries. So I'm going to give you the chance to interject if I'm to make sure I'm not misquoting you before I continue. Essentially, this is now this was last year. My opinion has changed a little bit since then. But yes, last year, that's what I was saying, why I was fading him. Okay, cool. Let's break it down. 23.5% target share. And he's average. He's averaging just as many points per game as Mark Andrews, who's currently the tight end too. So despite missing three games, he's still the tight end six, which more talks about how like tight ends is more of a crapshoot than anything. All right. But that's on the back of this monster performance too. So we're talking about like this one game was like 30% of the reason why he's the tight end six. Injury concerns with him, absolutely legit. Absolutely. And I haven't ranked as my tight end five behind Pitts, Kelsey, Waller, and Andrews. And then Hawks right behind him to round out that tier. In a tight end Premier League, I would love to see what I could sell Kittle for. He's a guy I don't think I can trust to stay healthy or find consistency versus the type of assets and pieces I could get back for him from somebody who is more of an injury optimist like Dr. Wright over here. I'm okay getting burned by Kittle bouncing back at this point. If I have him and I can still trade him, I'd move him this week to a tight end needy team or a contender on the back of that monster performance, man. It's a phenomenal time to sell if you still can. I, I'm, I'm personally all about selling George Kittle at this point. I had Travis Kelsey in a startup this year, and I actually traded down for, or traded back from Kelsey to Kittle. I think I got two seconds and Kittle for Kelsey. And while that hasn't necessarily paid off this year because Kelsey's still the tight end one this season, he, at least from an overall standpoint, Kittle, I mean, Kelsey has taken a significant drop. I think he's lost like six or seven points per game this year. So I don't mind that trade down for value. I just wish Kittle was performing a little bit better. But I essentially bought back years for a couple seconds, which I'll take at this point, especially if Kittle has a good, a good stretch down a good home stretch here heading into the playoffs would be really nice. Now, what does that mean for his dynasty value, Tad, Todd? I still think that there are some injury concerns here, but George Kittle is no longer being valued where he is in that same breath. Like people were talking about, if you have Kelsey and dynasty, it was, he was almost like he was at this ungodly advantage over your competition. He was just a difference maker in your lineup and people weren't that far behind on Waller and Kittle. Now that is no longer, people do not still talk about Kittle in that same way because of the injuries. And so I'm not sure if I can quite get as much for Kittle anymore, but I'm also disappointed that I have not seen a jump in the part of my reasoning, Todd, for targeting Kittle was, as I was hoping for with Lance or improved quarterback play from Jimmy Garoppolo, but mostly Lance, I was hoping that his TD rate would increase his 
targets depth would increase a little bit. So we'd get a little bit more valuable targets. I mean, we haven't really seen that. I think the ceiling just isn't quite there for Kittle. Like I was hoping where he would have been in that Kelsey tier of last year, not necessarily this year. So I'm okay with moving on for a price or I'm just cool with holding him too, because he still is a, a top five tight end. I mean, I get that. I, I think the point as I'm trying to make is, is like, I, I'm so down on Kittle that if this kind of trend continues, then I'm looking to get out while I can still get a high return, right? And I get the optimism with the QB piece, but that doesn't say anything about the, it doesn't really change anything about why you were down on him before. No, this was, yeah, I'm talking about uh, like heading into the se- heading in the season, I did a p- right. pivot off of that. But like, I get that, but it's kind of like you just decided, eh, it's unimportant. Like, there's nothing to prove otherwise. You know what well, I mean? Well, the value just had decreased. So it was a, it, it, it sure. came down to a value piece. How are the people sure. valuing? It was, it was, it was a good risk. It, yeah. It's a risk. And that's what with George Kittle and me, he's, he's a risk that has a lot of value in the risk. Like, you can sell the risk and get a lot back for, like, a risky investment. You know? I... Don't get me wrong, like, I'm all about rolling the dice on certain guys. George Kittle's not one of them, is what I'm saying. All right, Davey, tell them where you can find you. You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on the Tweet Machine, over at DLF, over at Rookie Fever, and on the Patreon at FF underscore Spaceman. And you can find me here on Tale Two Rivals. Todd, where can they find you? You can find me at FF underscore Banterman. And I would like to announce that I did indeed leave the IDP guys. Not the community, but I'm not writing a ranking for them just so I can. I don't know if we set this to the listeners, Dave, but I am expecting my second child in March. Big congrats, dude. Big thank you. congrats. That's really uh, the, exciting. Thank you. We're very excited. Um, I've had no time uh, in family life and work life to really dedicate what the kind of output I'd want to do as a ranker and as a writer into it. And the, honestly, the reason I held on so long with the IDP guys without like being active is that like, I love those guys. I love that community. Just a lot of sharp minds, but at the same time, they're just awesome, awesome group. And just phenomenal banter, lots of positive vibes. So I'm pretty much, if you are a subscriber to the IDP guys, you can hit me up in the Slack chat still. I'm still in there. I'm doing that absolutely free. Uh, They asked me to continue to give advice on quote-unquote degenerate trades because I make all those crazy elaborate trades and people like to ask my advice on those kind of trades. Again, love the IDP guys. Still going to stay connected with those guys and just not put any workout for them. So if you want to ask me anything about my rankings or anything, I'm considering just kind of just posting it out for free this offseason. And um, if you use it, great. If you don't, you don't, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, so I'm just having a good time just with the Tale of Two Rivals because this is my heart. And just focusing on this just gives me a lot of joy, man. Always feel free to hit me up on Twitter and ask me questions about anything fantasy related or life related. I I mean, I got the secret telling you. All right. But until next time.